The John Morris Show, episode 123. The John Morris Show. Your life on code. Ladies and gentlemen, John Morris. Hey everybody, welcome back to the John Morris Show, johnmorrisonline.com. Got a few doozies in the stack for you today that I wanted to get through. As I mentioned last podcast, a lot of this stuff is driven by my email newsletter. That's that's kind of the primary place where uh, I interact with you guys. If you by the way, if you're not on the the newsletter, you can go to johnmorrisonline.com and hop on. You're going to get access to different courses and so forth. You can kind of see all the details there. But my newsletter kind of is the main way that I interact with people, and it's kind of interesting the the back and forth that I sometimes get. So I have a couple different things I want to get into. Uh, related to that today. But before I do that, though, uh, I had mentioned a couple days ago in the newsletter, I can't remember if I mentioned on the podcast or not, but I mentioned a few days ago that Udemy is coming, two, two new courses are being released over on Udemy, and they're both related around iOS. Now, if you're not familiar with iOS or what's going on with iOS, iOS 10 is slated to release in the fall. That's what Apple's saying. A lot of the blogs that get into the prediction game are thinking it's going to be around December based off how the beta releases have been going. And iOS 10 does represent somewhat of a fundamental change in the coding language, Swift, that is used to build iOS apps. And in in respect, or what I mean by that is that it's being... Or it's been open sourced, and so this is the first release that Apple's going to have of of iOS after it's been open source, after Swift has been open source. So it's expected to make a bit of a leap and a lot of bug fixes, a lot of little tweaks, and so forth, because now there's a full community around supporting it. So it'll be interesting to see on that. Anyway, if you're someone who's looking to get into mobile app development, and that's something that you want to dive into. First off, that's smart. I think that's the future of where things are going. And I think, I've, again, I said this the other day on the newsletter, I know, that I think this is one of those unique moments that happens every once in a while in the tech world. Most of the time, everything's moving so quickly in tech that we're all just trying to play catch up, really. But there are times when there's this moment, I, I kind of think of it as like the eye of a tornado where all of a sudden for a moment everything becomes really crystal clear in regards to a certain kind of trend or or movement or transition and you can see very clearly what's about to happen and you have this small window of opportunity to then take advantage of it and those who do set themselves up for the next decade two decades three decades whatever and what I mean by that was specific to mobile is that we're at a point where we know there's no question that the future is mobile. Uh, there's there's no, I don't think there's any debating that left. That's, I mean, we've already seen a huge shift and the future is mobile. And more importantly for this, the languages are set. I have always thought that we might have a transition, you know, Swift was kind of a, a, a new, younger language, so to speak. Java, maybe not so much, but I always thought that maybe there would be this melding of web, you know, technology with the stuff that's been happening with HTML5 and trying to 
make it more mobile friendly and the local storage, just the things that they were trying to do to make the web work better on the phone and the the actual app languages. I always thought there might be some sort of melding there so that these uh, phone companies and these these app these co- companies that rely so heavily on these apps could get the massive amount of web developers that were out there to easily transition to using their language. But I think it's become clear at this point that that's not the way it's going to happen, at least not for the next, for the foreseeable future. So we are going to have Swift and we're going to have Java for the different ecosystems for the foreseeable future. And that to me is now clear at this point. And so you have this moment in time where you know that, you know, this is where we're going to be for the next decade or two or three, probably barring some crazy, crazy thing happening. But as far as you can predict the future, this is pretty about as much of a sure thing as you can get. So you know that, but I also don't think that we've seen really the, I don't think we've seen anything yet when it comes to how much mobile is going to change everything. And I, I used this example the other day, again, on the newsletter of my my two boys. My two boys are complete tech heads. And they, <laughs> I just think that what's coming is going to be much bigger than anything we've seen before. So with all that, I think we're at a point, we're at a point in time where you have a window of opportunity where you know what to do. You know what you, the the path forward and how you can capitalize on it and you're ahead of it and you can get in. So as I mentioned, Udemy uh, was releasing their two courses. Those courses are now live and they're by two of their more respected uh, web dev- or teachers over there, Rob Percival and Mark Price. And I've been able to hook you up with a 50% off discount link for both of those. So you can go to johnmorrisonline.com slash iOS 10 RP, as in Rob Percival, for Rob Percival's course. And you go to johnmorrisonline.com slash iOS 10 MP, as in Mark Price, for Mark Price's course. Now, what I recommend during this launch, I would recommend you go get both courses. And now I know that sounds self-serving, but you can basically get both courses for what you pay for one of them regularly right now. So I, and I'm a big believer in you learning from multiple instructors because it gives you different perspectives on a topic. And if you only ever learn from one person, you only ever get one perspective and you really never get the kind of mastery that you could get if you got multiple perspectives. So I would recommend if you can doing both of those courses right now while you can basically get two for one. So again, that's johnmorrisonline.com slash iOS 10 RP johnmorrisonline.com slash iosmp. All right, so getting into our first topic for the day, this is this is based off an email that I received the other day. So, but I want to go back a little bit because when I was a kid, my grandma had Alzheimer's and I think a lot of developers have what I would call coder Alzheimer's. But I remember there was one summer believe it was my ninth grade year, uh, that my mom, I really, really wanted to go. I was really into sports. I was really into football. It was, it was very important to me. And I knew that I needed to be working out 
lifting weights, running, doing all, all of the training that I obviously couldn't do at home. But we didn't live in the city. So we, we lived about 10 miles away from the city. And so in order for, it, it was difficult for me to get there. And given our family situation at the time, you know, my dad was uh, paraplegic and my mom was the one that was having to work. Making all of that happen was very difficult. So that summer, I decided that I was going to go every day. My grandma lived about two miles from the school, mile, two miles from the school. And so when my mom would go in for work, she would drop me off at my grandma's house. And then I would sit there all day from like seven, eight o'clock in the morning until about five o'clock at night when the school had what they called open gym, which is basically they would open up the gym for people for a couple hours for people to come in, lift weights, play basketball, work out, et cetera. So I would go in and I'd do my workout and then my mom would get off work and she'd just pick me up from the school. And so I would sit there all day for, you know, eight, nine, 10 hours a day with my grandma who had Alzheimer's. And she had a, she had a kind of 30 minute routine. So every 30 minutes, like clockwork, her and I, you know, for eight, nine, 10 hours a day would have the same conversation. It would literally point by point she would go through the exact same topics every 30 minutes for eight, nine, eight, nine, 10 hours a day for three months. Needless to say, by the end of it, I was very well versed in this routine. And it got to the point that I, I could answer her questions before she would ask them or, or have the conversation with her. I knew what she was going to ask me. I knew what she was going to say. And it was, and, and she had no idea about this. Now there's something to be said for the fact that my gra- grandma who had Alzheimer's was living in her house by herself and there was really nobody there taking care of her. Uh, that they did, that did change later, but <laughs> that's a whole other thing. But every 30 minutes and she had no idea that it was happening. And that was because she had a disease that had ruined her ability for kind of long-term thinking. She only really remembered those 30 minutes. There are bits and pieces of that that were long-term, but uh, it was that those that 30-minute conversation is what she remembered. And that was it. And I think a lot of developers have a similar kind of disease. And I go back to this email that I received from George the other day. And so this is what George sent me. He said, you guys are always funny with the way you do things. You got this knowledge free of charge, but now you are selling it. doesn't matter how long it took you to learn PHP. You loved it, and that's why you continued. You mustn't make money out of everything. Now, those of you who have been with me for a while, you've been on this podcast, been following me, whatever, you know that we've done this before. We've broached this topic before, but I know there's also a lot of new people on here and I want to take a different approach at it. Maybe look at it a different way that even those of you who've heard this before and maybe we're not fully convinced, haven't thought of. So I kindly explained to George, as you know, I'm very, always very kind in my responses via email. I kindly explained to him that I have nearly 300 videos on YouTube, 200 plus blog posts, and thousands of lines of code that are all available for free. 
And that as of right now, I, I personally only sell one course. And I sell that course for seven bucks, and it's 11 lessons. Now, yeah, I, I point you guys to resources and, and some of that stuff's affiliate products and so forth. But I have no control over if those things are charged for, what people charge for them, etc. I don't have any control over that. When it comes to what I control, I have one course, 11 lessons for seven bucks. So if you look at the totality of that, 99% of what I offer, I offer at no charge. And the reason is, believe it or not, I actually do care if you're successful. I actually do understand what it's like growing up not having the means to take hold of the opportunities that you want to take hold of. I get that. I lived that life. I mean, I could go back. I go back to high school with football and sports. A lot of my other friends when I was in high school were going to football camps and all these other things, but these things cost money. I couldn't afford to do them. And I believe that had I gone, been able to go to those camps, I mean, I, I almost made it as a walk-on at the University of Nebraska as it was. But had I gone to one of those camps, gotten A, the instruction, but also the exposure, I believe that I would have had a, a much better chance of making it on a team. So I'm well-versed in the fact that not having the means that you would want to have can limit your opportunities in certain ways. And I do care about that. And so I care about helping those who legitimately can't afford to buy some sort of course. But I'm also not dumb. And I know that offering everything at no charge is not sustainable. It simply isn't like there's this whole, in, especially in the United States right now, this whole Bernie Sanders revolution thing. Forget your politics for a second. Just think about this seriously. There's this whole idea of we should provide like free college. We should provide all this stuff. It's not sustainable. You're not going to work for free. You know, he, he, this is what always kills me about this stuff. This guy talks about me charging for teaching or or people like me charging for teaching. I guarantee you once he learns how to code, he's going to charge his clients. So unless you're going to go around and give away all your services for free for the rest of your life, you really have no grounds from which to speak. But it it's it's less it's it's not as much the hypocritical uh, argument here. It's the practical argument. Offering everything at free Offering everything for free is not sustainable because you have to eat, you have to sleep, you have to put a roof over your head. And for me, if I had to do that some other way besides doing this right here, what that would mean is I would have less time that I could devote to you doing this. And because I invested less time in it, there wouldn't be as much available. It wouldn't be as good. You'd get less results. And eventually I'd get overworked and frustrated and I'd stop doing it. Now, on the flip side, if I am able to earn enough to do this full time and focus solely on helping you, then I can create more. I can spend more time on it to make it better. You'll get more results and everybody wins. So 
free is not sustainable. And you should look at someone who charges as an investment. You're investing in their ability to continue to serve you and help you. Now, I think a lot of developers have a really hard time understanding this. And I do think this open source idea has something a little bit to do with that, not because the open source proponents necessarily push push it, but it creates an environment where you have an expectation of people who think, because a lot of the stuff is open source and you can get it for free if you want, that it all should just be that way. But those companies make money and do it's take WordPress and automatic for, for a minute. Now they give away WordPress completely free, but they build plugins and services on the back end to help them monetize that. So they, even though they're open source and give away their, their, their main product for free, it is still a business model and a strategy. They also, they also take investment money and so forth. So there's somebody's paying the bills at some point. With all these companies, someone's going to expect to get that money back. It's like, again, we could use Facebook. Everybody was so mad when they had their IPO and they started doing the ads and everybody gets all annoyed with the ads, etc. They have to keep the lights on somehow. And an investor isn't going to just invest in a company because they think it's cool. They're looking for a return on that investment at some point down the road. And if you look at all some of the initial investors in Facebook and the the success stories of what they made from the IPO, you can literally see that that's what they were doing. So again, I find developers just have a hard time understanding this. And it's a bit of an amateurish strain in our community that tends to, I think it comes from the artist community. You have a lot of artists, especially in the past, who would snub their nose at the idea of selling yourself, selling your product and what you do. Now, yes, doing that's going to make you feel rebellious. It's going to make you feel better than other people because you don't have to dirty yourself with selling. But in today's world, that mindset is also going to leave you broke. And there's really just no need for it. Now, I bring this up. Because I think for a lot of developers, the reason you're struggling isn't because you're a bad coder. Because It isn't because you don't have the skills. It's because of your relationship to money and selling. You don't think that you should have to do it. It's this mindset of, if I'm good enough, the, 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 the jobs and the clients will find me. It doesn't work that way. This, mar- this industry is way too competitive. Almost every industry is way too competitive. No matter how skilled you are, there's somebody out there who's just as skilled or more. And there's probably hundreds or thousands of people who are just as skilled or more. In that kind of environment, you have to win by outselling and outmarketing them. But a lot of developers don't want to do that. They think they shouldn't have to. They're too good for it. They're snobs. Or I also see a lot of developers who don't think they're worth it. They don't think they've they've acquired the necessary skills to deserve getting paid for what they do. And that one's a simple one because the chances are 99.9% of you listening to this right now are good enough to charge for something. Now, 
This all goes back to strategy, this idea of focusing on end results that I've talked about before, that you give, you deliver on end results, not say I'm just the end-all be-all of all web development. You say I can build you this and you offer to build this specific thing for people knowing you can deliver on it because you've already done it and then you just do that until you get really good at it, really good at marketing it and then you expand by learning some other end result and your service line just becomes a collection of different end results like three to five core end results you can deliver. So a contact form is an end result. A membership site is an end result. Right? So or, or a, a business website is an end result. So you focus on end results and expanding your service line by expanding the services as products really is what it is that you offer. So again, I would guess that 99.9% of you listening to this have at least one end result that you could deliver on. A, a contact form. I guarantee almost all of you listening to this could put together a nice looking contact form that was functional for a website that you could deliver for people who wanted that kind of thing. So you are capable and you need to own the idea of selling yourself. In fact, the only way that you can realize your full potential as a coder and help as many people as you want is being willing to dirty yourself with selling. A good friend of mine, Stu McLaren, says this quite a bit, and I agree with this. And I think for those of you who are having a difficult time with this, this is the way to think of it. And what he says is, the more you earn, the more you can give. And I think that's a mindset that can help a lot of people who are hesitant about feeling slimy about selling themselves. Now, I've always contended that selling doesn't have to be slimy. It's your choice to make it that way by the way that you do it. So you don't have to be. But even still, if you still have trouble with that idea, understand that the more you make, the more you earn, the more you can help others. That's not just in charity. It's the actual people who are consuming your products and services. I mean... Nearly 300 YouTube videos, 200 blog posts, thousands of lines of code. That's helped somebody. That's helped a lot of people, in my opinion. So the ability to charge and keep what you're doing sustainable allows you to help more people. And I can tell you this. The way you feel when you give something you've earned is, in my opinion, a 100 times more powerful than simply giving everything that you have and not asking for anything in return. You end up feeling resentful when you do that. Because what you're in your mind, what you're thinking is that people should just see what you're doing and and then take care of you. And, and they don't. And then you feel resentful. On top of that, the fact that you feel much better when you actually you know, earn what you get. You also have the peace of mind of not relying on other people's charity. You have the peace of mind of, of being able to create a system and a process that is reliable so that you can secure your future and know that you and your family and all the things that you want to do are taken care of. 
and you can survive no matter what the world throws at you. I've I spent a lot of time in the army. I've you know been been to been to Iraq, done all sorts of things, but I can tell you there's no greater sense of accomplishment than when you take your destiny into your own hands. And so what I'm telling you is don't be afraid to sell yourself and don't let people tell you that you're not worth it. Now, for me, to get a little sidetracked here, but for me, PHP is what gave me my peace of mind. That's what puts food on my table. That's what helps me pay for the bed that I sleep on. That got me a house in a safe neighborhood where my son can walk to school. Free time with my boys. Pride in how far I've come. The ability to help others like I have. And a sense of mastery over my own life. PHP did that for me. And I am convinced that it can do the same for you. All you need is a little instruction. And I want to encourage you to get that instruction at johnmorrisonline.com slash php. All right, I got to take a little break. I'll be back and we'll get into, <laughs> well, interesting, I just talked about my son walking to school because that's actually going to change. But I want to get into why I think people really care about web development and really getting to the, the root of why you do and finding your natural motivation and inspiration. So we'll get to that after the break. You know, one of the big mistakes that I see a lot of developers make is they make learning how to code much harder than it has to be. For example, I see a lot of developers who think the list of skills that they need to learn to master PHP is pages and pages and pages long. It's not. Now, I've said this before, and I will definitely say it again. But there's a foundational set of skills that you need to learn in order to be functional as a PHP developer, meaning that you can execute on projects and get paid. This is the fallacy that is so prevalent in the PHP developer community, that there's this ideal set of skills that you have to learn and that you have to be the absolute greatest developer in the history of mankind in order to be able to get paid to code. You don't. You simply need to be able to execute on projects. I talk about end results all the time. You need to be able to deliver end results to clients because that's ultimately what they want. But when you focus on these found foundational skills and learning only those first, the things that will allow you to execute on projects, what you realize is that you can start getting paid to code much faster than you probably ever thought because you haven't set this idealistic, unattainable bar for yourself to reach before you allow yourself to take paid work. You can start now when you can execute on a deliverable, when you can complete a, a single project, when you can create a contact form or a business website, when you can execute on that, you can start. And you can start then building the life that you wanted that you got into this all for the, in the first place, instead of continuing to slave away at some job making somebody else rich. 
Anyway, you can learn these skills in my free course, The Beginner's Guide to PHP, which you can enroll in at johnmorrisonline.com slash learnphp. And it's going to teach you these foundational skills so you can get started right now. Again, it's a completely free course that you can take at johnmorrisonline.com slash learnphp. Don't wait on this. Head over there right now and get started building that life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the John Morris Show, johnmorrisonline.com. All right, so I want to talk a little bit about why I do what I do and get into really the, the real reason I think that we're all involved in web development and hopefully help you to find some inspiration and motivation to help you get over the tough times that you will inevitably face in your career. So my son, Davin, you've never met my son, Davin. Maybe one day you will see him on YouTube because he is definitely interested in doing the YouTube thing. But my son, Davin, like his dear old dad, is a bit of a rebel. He's the kind of kid that will give you that kind of, okay, sure, whatever, like, not really skeptical, not really believing you type look. If you think, if you say something that he thinks is bunk, he, he doesn't just automatically believe what people say or uh, automatically just trust and believe in authority. And so I've always had to have good reasons with him for the things that I ask him to do. I've always been, had to be able to explain why I wanted him to do things. And I've always had to work on building a foundation of trust and respect. Even though I'm his parent, I I get there's plenty of people out there that would be like, well, he should just listen to you and do what you... That's not my approach. <laughs> and, uh, you know, things have worked out well between him and I. We have a really solid foundation of trust. And I can ask him to do things for me, even menial things, and I don't get any any attitude back from him because there's a lot of stuff I do for him too, right? So we have this kind of back and forth foundation of trust. But he's still a skeptical, independent thinking little guy. And I love him for it. Like I said, after my own heart. So about the third time that he had gotten in trouble at school, I, I frankly wasn't surprised because it was for it wasn't for him being mean. He wasn't being mean to other kids. That's just not his personality. It was for him having trouble following the directions in terms of not necessarily his schoolwork, but most of the time it was either his teacher was telling him something to telling him to do something that he did not understand or agree with. He was he was he was doing that. Mm, I don't know about this kind of thing, and 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 just having a trouble following those directions. Or it was there was something back and forth between him him and some kid, and he felt like the kid was the one stirring up trouble, but Davin was getting in trouble for it, etc. Now I'm his parent. I'm biased. I understand all all this, but. You know, I could just tell that he was having a hard time with the whole idea of he had to automatically just assume 
or believe and do what authority said. That, that, that was a problem for him. So I knew I had to do something different because he's just not that type, that stand in line type of guy. It's not something that he's good at. And the last thing that I wanted to do was kill his independent spirit so that he could just go along to get along in school. Right? That's not what I wanted to teach him. So all that to say is coming ne- this next year, I've actually submitted all the paper and everything, we're going to be homeschooling. Now, we had done this before in the past. And then when we, we moved from Iowa to Nebraska and he had wanted to try going back to school again. And so he had gone to school and he had gone through three quarters of the year and was fine. But by the end of the year, he was fairly frustrated and had had said he wanted to homeschool. And then there were some, <laughs> there were some things between me and the school. Uh, I wonder where he gets it, right? Where I was having some issues with some things that were being done. So we decided to homeschool. Now, not that long ago, that kind of thing wouldn't have been possible for me. I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have had the space, the time, you know, being, I wouldn't have been home to be able to homeschooling him. But learning how to code gave me the freedom to work from home and it opened the door for me to be able to homeschool him. And that is, I can't even, almost can't even put into words how important that is to me. My kids are the most important thing for me in my life right now. And their education, given how I grew up, I know how important education is. So their education is critical to me. I mean, Davin went to second grade this last year. So he'll be going into third grade. When we were homeschooling, when he would have been in first grade, we had actually gotten into the first kind of quarter of third grade math. So he was way ahead. So he was way ahead of where he normally would have been in school. And that, again, (laughs) it's, it's difficult to put into words how important that is to me. And on top of that, the fact of them, me being able to be home with them, having been in the military before, you know, my oldest son got it the worst because he was three, four, five years old when I was still early in my military career. So I was traveling a lot more. And so I missed a lot of time with him, but I also still missed a decent amount of time with Davin. But my youngest, Jance, I've been, I've been around the whole time. You know, I have... Uh, he was born shortly after I really kind of got back and was done with my military career. So I've been around for him the, the whole time. Not only that, but I've had this coding career and been working from home. So he's been able to be home with me. There was a brief time where he went to daycare for a little bit. But most of the, the to- that time, he's four years old, he's been home with me. And so... Getting the opportunity to be home all day with my kids, be getting the opportunity to homeschool my kids. You know, I, I grew up with five brothers and we would run around the house all day. And that, to me, that's my natural state. So having my boys around, it kind of takes me back to those days of being home with my brothers. And I would trade that for all the money in the world. 
And I think that that is true for most developers, most people. We we talk a lot about money. People so often get focused on money. The whole last segment was kind of a discussion on money. But money is just a means to an end. It's a tool for getting what we really want. And I think it's absolutely critical that you don't forget, or if you haven't done this yet, that you get in touch with what it is that you're really after. Because a stack of green paper can only motivate you so much. But your kids, your spouse, your future, those things have a tremendous power to inspire and motivate you. You know, one of Stephen Covey's seven habits of highly effective people is to begin with the end in mind. And I think that's what this is. What is it that you're after? What is the end you want to get to? What do you want ultimately? Is it a lifestyle? Is it just financial security? Maybe it's more time with your loved ones. Maybe you're someone who's driven by self-mastery and being the absolute best that you can be at whatever craft you take on. Maybe it's just simply putting food on the table. Maybe you grew up like I did and it's just, I, it's survival. Or maybe it's knowing that you did it all on your own. You didn't have to rely on somebody else. But you, what you want to ask yourself is what drives you? What is that end that you're trying to achieve? Ultimately, coding is just a means to an end. What is that end for you? Because answering that, in my opinion, unlocks a fountain of limitless energy that you're going to need to put in the work that's required to get get there. That's the thing about this. This isn't something that's going to happen overnight. It's not something that's going to always be easy. And there's going to be a lot of work and frustration that you're going to have to get through. But when you get in touch with the reason why you're really doing it, going through that stuff, it's not a question. There's no question of quitting or giving up. Now, you may feel like it at times, but there's no question about whether or not you're actually going to do it. It's not going to happen. So I bring all this up because I see and I hear from so many developers that are are suffocating with doubt. They're, at every turn, they're questioning their ability and wondering if they can really do this, if they're smart enough, if they're good enough, if they have the persistence, etc. I'm here to tell you, you can. But it's about mastering moments. Moments of doubt, moments of fear, moments of uncertainty. In life, the people who master those moments, make smart choices, and take action are the ones who win. Because the truth of it is, there are no guarantees. I learned this in Iraq. Iraq shattered my idea of destiny. I always grew up, and I think a lot of people do this, thinking that'll never happen to me. And that my... You know, I'm destined for this kind of future. But sitting in a hospital in Iraq, watching other people 
who no doubt thought the same thing, pass away, made me realize very clearly that nothing is guaranteed. That you're not destined for anything. That one day it all could just go away. And that it's not just going to happen. I think a lot of people, a lot of developers think, oh, one day, one day it's just going to all come together for me. It won't. <laughs> I know that's it's a little rough, but that's reality. You have to make it happen. Well, not to be no, overly cliche, but you have to grab life by the horns and take what you want. Nobody's going to give it to you and it won't just happen. Now, I believe my primary job as a teacher is to inspire and motivate you. I I know some people get so caught up on the technical side, the skill side in any endeavor, not just in coding. It's all about the skills. But what gets you the skills is someone who can inspire you and motivate you. And if I can't, if I as a teacher can't do that, I can never teach you the skills because you'll never put in the work it's going to take to master them. Uh, there's a famous line out there. It's actually attributed to a number of different people. I think I first heard it in relation to Maya Angelou, but it says, they may forget what you said, but they will never forget how you made them feel. I feel like that's my job as a teacher. Now, I'm going to teach you the technical skills, but my primary job is to help you believe that you can do it because you can. So know that you can do this. If if you were to go back to my high school classmates, if you were to go back to them back then, and you were to ask them, what was I most likely to be? You know, you've seen, we never did this in high school. I don't remember us doing that. But apparently in high schools, they do this whole thing of who's the most likely to be X or Y, who's the most likely to be a politician or whatever. If they had done that for me, it probably would have, I probably would have won the dead or living in a trailer park somewhere uh, <laughs> category because that's how I grew up. That's how they all saw me, right? I was that trailer park trash hood rat. So if that person, old trailer park Johnny, if you will, can get to the point of, <laughs> Living in a house I never imagined living in, in a neighborhood that I never imagined living in, working from home, which I never thought would be possible, possible, the ability to homeschool my kids, all of that as a result of coding, if I can do that, I had none of the advantages that are so often talked about uh, with this country. If I can do that, There's zero doubt in my mind that you can too. It's simply a matter of focus and beginning with the end in mind, knowing what it is that you're really after, and then your work ethic, how hard you're willing to work. Now, speaking of focus, one of the big mistakes I see a lot of developers make is they make learning how to code harder than it has to be. For example, when it comes to PHP, I see a lot of coders and developers who think that the list of skills that they need to learn in order to master PHP 
is pages and pages and pages long. It's not. I've said this, I don't know how many times before, that I believe, and there's lots of people who agree with me, that there's a foundational set of skills that you need to learn in order to be functional as a PHP coder, in order to be able to build end results and deliver on those end results. You don't have to be the best developer out there. You simply have to have a basic set of skills and then understand how to market yourself. So that list of skills is much, much smaller than I think most people believe it is. So what that means is when you focus on learning only those skills first, not stacking a mountain of skills in front of you that you think you have to learn these thousand things to be the best PHP coder ever, but instead focusing on an end result and a foundational set of skills and learning only those skills to the point you can build an end result that you can deliver to a client and get paid for, then you can, prob- then you can start learning much faster than you probably ever thought because you haven't set some sort of unattainable bar for yourself to reach before you allow yourself to take paid work. The exciting thing about that is when you realize that, you realize that you can start getting paid now. You can learn those skills very, very quickly. You can get to the point of delivering an end result and you can start now. You don't have to wait. And as a result of that, you can start building that life that you really want. The one that you've seen in your head as a result of this this talk, hopefully. You can start building that now instead of having to slave away at somebody building somebody else's dream. Anyway, in my new PHP 101 course, I teach you all of these skills for less than a latte at good old Starbucks. So. If you ask me, it seems like a no-brainer to jump in and get starting, get started getting paid to code. If you agree, you can head on over to johnmorrisonline.com php and enroll in that course. All right, that'll do it for this episode. Hopefully you enjoyed the episode. episode. If you did, be sure to like it so they know that you like this kind of content. If you know somebody who benefited, I'd appreciate it if you'd share it with them. You know, one of the big things of of having as many YouTube videos and podcast episodes and so forth, there's a lot out there that can help people. So I'd appreciate it if you'd share and help help spread all of the free stuff out there to help more and more people benefit from it. I'd greatly appreciate that. Finally, if you haven't subscribed, be sure to do so. You can do do so on your iTunes at johnmorrisonline.com slash iTunes or on your Android device at johnmorrisonline.com dot com slash android. All right, that'll do it for this episode. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time.